This episode of the 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeal Motors, Ireland's largest car website. Find your next premium car from one of our trusted dealerships. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It is Rugby, Rugby Weekly. Hello everybody and welcome to Friday's Rugby Weekly with the 42. We are looking ahead to a massive weekend in Europe for all four provinces and joining us to do so is Murray Kinsella of the 42.ie. Murray, great to see you. How are you? And are you as excited as I am after these team announcements that have just happened in the last five minutes? Midday on Friday is always, regardless of the week, always an exciting moment. Thursday obviously in international weeks, but I... Even when you know what's coming or you've heard whispers, it's it's always exciting to see it on a team sheet and to just be anticipating a brilliant weekend of European rugby, knockout, Champions Cup and Challenge Cup so soon after the Six Nations as well. It's just magic. Cannot wait for these games. We have some massive, obviously, Irish fixtures ahead, but also the, the rest of the games that are being played across Europe are, are going to be really interesting. Yeah, they really are. I think we should probably start with the game involving two of the provinces and uh, Leinster and Ulster have named probably as strong uh, sides as possible, really. And to begin with Leinster as the home team, was there anything that surprised you or anything that felt contentious to you in their selection? I guess without Gary Ringrose and without Johnny Sexton, it's as you'd expect Albeit maybe you could have made a case for uh, Kieran Frawley starting at 12, you know, and Robbie Henshaw going to 13, for example. But instead, Leo Cullen and Stuart Lancaster have gone with Jimmy O'Brien at 13, which is a big vote of confidence in him. Not that anybody particularly doubts him, but just for a game of this magnitude to go, no, you're our guy if Ringrose is down. Well, the first thing to say is Ringrose and Doris are very big losses. And you still look at the Leinster team sheet and it's pretty ludicrous in terms of the quality, not only of the starting 15, but of the, the bench and the impact they'll have there. Regardless of that, Ringrose, as we saw even with Ireland, is a pivotal figure in terms of what he brings, both sides of the ball, gluing everything together. Doris, probably the form back row in the world at the moment, so it's not ideal to have them missing. They've got plenty of options, though, and, and still a really strong team. I think Jimmy O'Brien has shown he can do it in that jersey at international level, or in that position, rather, at international level against the Springboks, obviously, in November, and, and for Leinster previous to that. Indeed, he kind of first really had his breakthrough run with Leinster as a 13 and I thought that was going to be his long-term position but he can obviously play a lot of different roles and slots and he's so versatile and flexible with his skill set that it often doesn't really matter what jersey is on his back he's he's really adaptable to loads of different situations so I don't think it's any great fear there I suppose the one that maybe will catch the eyes is Ross Maloney starting ahead of Jason Jenkins albeit it's totally deserved that Ross Maloney starts because even on Monday's pod, we were singing his praises in terms of how he grabbed a hold of that Stormers game. Like, it was a real definition of grabbing a game by the scruff of its neck, grabbing the referee by the scruff of his neck and kind of bending it all to his will and having a massive influence on events without sidestepping 10 people or or running in a long-range try. He's a really excellent rugby player and, and lots of his stuff, his best stuff, makes others look really good. So... It's deserved for him. And to have Jason Jenkins' power to, to come off the bench is, is a really good place for, for Leinster to be. You look at that bench with Healy, with Jenkins, Scott Penny, who's in such good form. Luke McGrath has been excellent all season for Leinster. And, and as you mentioned, Frawley and Harry Byrne, they would have been vying and pushing Ross Byrne lots. Uh, John McKee to make his debut in, in this competition as well. So it is a really 
convincing 23 with a lot of cohesion there based on the last two months with Ireland as well. The patterns and um, combinations rather are are really strong at the moment across that team. So, yeah, it, it underlines their status as favourites, although I think the Ulster team probably underlines to me that a 15-point margin is really big for, for this fixture. When I look at the two teams, it doesn't feel to me like it is going to be a 15-point margin in front of a sellout crowd. And that's another phenomenal achievement. 52,000 people at a round of 16 club game is it's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, it is magic. and uh, We'll get to Ulster's team in a moment. I mean, just to mention that they've got Rory Sutherland, Rob Herring, Tom O'Toole and Stuart McCloskey returning. But just to stick with Leinster and, and to go back to Ross Maloney for a second, Mer, like, do you feel his selection is partly due to the leadership that they've lost through some of those injuries, like Doris, but obviously Sexton, Ringrose as well. Whereas Jenkins is, is like... You know, he leads by example, as you could say for nearly every professional rugby player at this point, but maybe isn't necessarily as much like a pseudo-captain as Maloney is. Like, he adds more than just his form at the moment, as you touched upon there a moment ago. Yeah, I'm sure there is a bit of that in it. And uh, he is definitely one of the big influential figures behind the scenes and on the pitch for Leinster. And, and we saw all of that against Stormers. But but I probably think it is around his, his form. Like The reason they brought in Jason Jenkins was to add something that they felt they didn't really have in their squad in terms of that very defined tight headlock role. And you saw it at the start of the season, what he added around Maul and his grunt work. And he can do more than that, we should say. He's a really excellent rugby player and, and always has been. But um, I suppose they, they got him in because they felt there was a little bit of a deficiency in their, in their squad in terms of a player of that profile. Now come the big occasion, they obviously feel that this pack that they've picked can can outmuscle Ulster and and indeed you would I mean they should have confidence that they can do that because there's so many good international Grand Slam winners in that pack and and have great form behind them um, but it would be an interesting to see if this match was against the La Rochelle what way the selection would have gone because we always talk about form and it's a massive factor but it's not always the most important factor when you're picking a team we see it in international rugby in particular all the time around player profile and skill sets and how it all works against the the opposition but in this case yeah you're you're bang on that's another attitude to consider in all of it the leadership as well as how Maloney's playing and his understanding of set piece and his ability to handle the ball as well as any second row in the world game really I know I know the Crusaders have we mentioned before the Crusaders had looked at clips of him and how well he takes the ball to the line and plays those sweet passes. So he brings a lot to the party. I think it would have been tough for Ulster to make the case to themselves that they could go to Dublin and beat Leinster if Leinster were at absolutely full strength, right? So if you had if you had Sexton available to you, if you had Doris, if you had Ringrose, I, I don't think... Maybe like you can convince yourself during the week or in the weeks leading up to it, but logic would have suggested that that would be an impossible task. I think Ulster could look at this Leinster team, uh, and as much as we're uh, extolling the virtues of some of the players that have come in for those influential figures, they will see this as as big an opportunity as you're probably going to have against Leinster if you're going to face them away from home in Europe, right? For sure. Of course, of course. And it is... I was thinking about this earlier on today around rugby and it being kind of a momentum sport I always would have felt in my life. But I'm more and more of the mind that it's just a moments sport, more so than others, because regardless of how the momentum's going, regardless of the narrative around a team, 
like one minor moment in rugby can have such a massive effect on what follows over the the next 75 minutes or however long is left in a, in a game and also have loads of players who can produce amazing moments and again like looking at their team that back line if they can get any sort of space or time on the ball for the likes of Balakun and Lowry and Hume McCluskey is a player who can do that and create space for others they'll absolutely tear it up that's just how good they are and and the pack does have a bit of punch and dynamism to it like Tom Stewart's not even in the starting pack which which is a, a, a kind of speaks volumes for the quality that is there Rob Herring an excellent player Sutherland O'Toole back in the starting front row as well adding their dynamism and O'Toole has gone to another level with Ireland and you presume he's in a much more confident place now Treadwell we know how dynamic he is and I think David McCann's resurgence there in the back row has been a bit of a under the radar story that we've been waiting for really in terms of knowing that he was a player of, of major potential as well so they've got weapons of their own and even their bench has has a nice bit of punch to it Nathan Doak deserves to start I think at nine again but you've got Cooney there with the ability to impact a game and and change things up so they've got lots of reasons to be optimistic Leinster listen they clearly are still deserved favorites they're a better team and if they hit anything close to the level they can get to well, they will win this game but I think Ulster have more than enough to make them uncomfortable at times and it really is hard not to go back to 2019 and remember the quality and the focus of the Ulster performance that day incredible physicality in the early exchanges really relentless at the breakdown and broke up any of that Leinster flow that they thrive off unfortunately they didn't take their chances and this weekend they have to take every single one of them is that game plan replicable, replicable to your mind four years on, Mer? Like Because it does feel as though it's the only way that you can stop Leinster at the moment, particularly if you have a little bit of a, a power deficit. It's like you need to be more belligerent than you've basically ever been and try to stop them at source and just interrupt their flow a little bit, plant seeds of doubt. Well, it's almost cliche, but it, it kind of is that. Just like get on top of the psychology of the game early if you're going to have a chance at all. Like Is this Ulster team capable of doing that much? It is, yeah. And I mean, that plan works for any game of rugby at any level. Like if you smash people, if you disrupt their breakdown, and if you do take your attacking chances, there you go. That's the that's the winning formula for a World Cup or a Towns Cup or whatever you're playing in. <laughs> it can be simple-ish at times, but there'll be loads of intricacies there as, as well. And hopefully also have a few plays up their sleeves or a few variations on plays that they've been throwing at teams this season. Their mall has been such a potent weapon that you'll be shocked if they don't look to it as a, a source of gain line wins and psychological dominance and tries indeed but it'd be cool to see them play off it and use it as a, a decoy and a dummy and throw different pictures at a Leinster that they're not expecting so absolutely lots of their plan will be founded in what we saw that day in 2019 and hopefully with a few more layers on it and that clinical edge that they lacked that day could be an absolute belter. Just a reminder that the 42 Rugby Weekly is sponsored by Dundeal Motors. Whether it's luxury cars, seven-seaters for a growing family, or making the switch to electric, find everything you need at dundeal.ie. Munster are in South Africa to face the Sharks. Listen, the Munster team, the uh, sort of headlines, if you like, speak for themselves in that uh, Orgy Snyman is starting. And in that, Jack Crowley starts at 10 over Joey Carberry who moves to the bench which is a decision that Bernard Jackman was calling for as far back as Monday's pod 
and is probably one that at the moment would be welcomed by Monster fans for the sheer fact that they probably have been waiting a while to see Crowley in this type of an, of an environment in a Monster jersey, like to get the nod and get that sort of um, the faith of the coaches for a massive knockout sort of game. We've sort of seen him do it for Ireland against Australia, right, where it was a baptism of fire. But this is an opportunity for him to take the reins at Monster if he goes well. It's the opportunity he's been craving and waiting for and imagining right back from when he turned down a chance to go to La Rochelle and stayed at Munster because he thought he was going to be the guy at 10. And it almost isn't a big... It is a headline, but it's almost not a big story because we're none of us are surprised, really, by, by this happening. We did talk about it on Monday. I think we anticipated, indeed, the whole kind of 9, 10, 12, 13 selection going this way because it makes sense for how Munster are playing. It makes sense for what those guys have brought to the jersey or rather the positions when they've been in those roles and even last weekend Crowley moving to 10 for you know the fifth or sixth time maybe this season where he started elsewhere and and shifted in and putting a bit of authority and personality as I said on Monday on the jersey and and being really I don't know a lot of conviction to his performance so that's what you want to see from him now he has wanted this chance to run the team and direct the team and do that throughout the week and now we get to see it on a huge game day exactly what he can deliver I, I would guess I will bring out the best in him and he'll thrive in that he he wants the kind of pressure as well and with Casey at nine that'll really suit him as well with his pace of delivery we saw it off the bench against Glasgow it was one of the bright sparks on a really bad day for Munster just how much energy he brought how much um, how many more questions he I, I suppose asked with with that pace of his game so it looks like a really exciting midfield and halfback combination with Frisch and Fekito in such good form. And as you say, um, Snyman starting is is a fascinating one because we haven't seen him start a game since August 2020, his first appearance for Munster all the way back then. And the two replacement appearances in, in the last while, he's not really had a whole lot to do. So we haven't got any even kind of trademark rumbles or offloads. He'll have much more opportunity to do that. And it gives a... A big psychological lift as well that his journey kind of completes now with with a start and against this African team it's almost fitting as well and yeah if he can if he can get going with that power he has in the carry and his ability to come up with x-factor moments then it'll be a huge game changer for them. You mentioned the word conviction in relation to Crowley there and without meaning to sound harsh on him that probably feels like what's been lacking a little bit with Joey Carberry in recent weeks or months where he's definitely had like good performances here and there don't get me wrong uh, like people can be far too vigorous in their or rigorous in their criticism of him but it does feel as though he's kind of missing that that rocket under him for whatever reason I, I don't know how you can even analyze that really because we never want to like ascribe anything to somebody like you don't know what's going on in somebody's life for example um but how would you assess him over the last couple of months where like obviously he's been left out of Ireland squad now he's on Munster's bench it's a world cup year like it is a tough road back for him so I guess Look, if he has been lacking any little bit of conviction, this is the time to rediscover it. It's kind of shit or get off the pot. Or I mean, arguably, he's been moved off the pot as it is. And sport, professional sport is such a ruthless world. And that's the reality of it. He knows it better than anyone. Like, he's come through some extremely tough times and shown his resilience, even just to 
come back from injury repeatedly and, and some serious injuries as well. So he definitely has an element of that. He probably is a different personality to the likes of Crowley, to Ross Byrne, to many other out-halves, really, I would say. He, he he doesn't have that same kind of swagger on the pitch, that um, you know cutting edge where he'll blast people out of it. And, and absolutely, he does that at times, but it doesn't... F- doesn't come across as as natural from him and i'm not saying that every out half has to be the the same but i know a lot of coaches want a really forceful um personality in that number 10 jersey who's willing to really boss a team around and has a really good grasp on that side of the game as as well and and listen carberry has definitely done that plenty in in the past and he'll try and provide more of that i would guess but crowley that like that seems so natural to him doesn't it that he's bossing that he's confident to the point of that cocky edge and that swagger and i know lots of the best tens i've watched in in the past have that as well you know you think of even think of raj and the swagger he always had even at times where the game maybe hadn't gone well or his form wasn't brilliant he always thought he was the best the greatest and i think crowley probably has a bit of that about him as well and uh, teammates do feed off that so listen i'm sure it was a it was a close call and a tight call and you're, you're right there's n- there's no reason to to write joey carberry off he's a brilliant rugby player he's got so many classy skills he can break games he's a brilliant kicker um and a, a very game defender as well but yeah it makes sense at this stage that crowley gets that 10 jersey and gets a chance to deliver a big big performance yeah, there's nothing definitive ever in what we're saying on this pod or in rugby generally. Sure, there's not. It's like you just talk about what's happening at the moment and it can change very quickly as it might do yet for Joey Carberry in this World Cup year. Just looking at this game in a zoomed out sense for a second where Kieran on Wednesday was making the point that a lot of people have made in fairness or, or shared a sentiment that like there will be a bit of a monster backlash here from that Glasgow defeat and that because it's Europe and because Munster tend to muster special things in Europe, uh, that this should be a game in which they're at least competitive. But Kieran feels that the Sharks will have too much in the end. How winnable a game is this for Munster to your mind? And are we in danger of perhaps overlooking the qualities of the Sharks, which admittedly they haven't necessarily shown much of in recent weeks, but just on paper with their big guns back at home, can you put into context how massive a challenge this actually is for Munster? Well, they've named, named their team as well. You've got Lucanio Am, Pimpi, Curran Bosch, Hendricks at nine is a very good player. An all Springboks front row, Etzebeth and Grobler in the second row. Khaleesi is the captain. And even guys like Vincent uh, Shizuka, who aren't um, international players yet, are outstanding players. But really, it has been a case of a, a team sheet of really good individual players that haven't been a convincing consistent collective force in the Sharks for the last couple of years and and they keep adding stars but it hasn't really changed the picture like this is the team that played last weekend and lost 32-20 to the Scarlets and I watched that match back and they they just offered very little it'll be a comfort to them to return to home soil but my gut says the Munster are going to win this game and that they're a better collective outfit and they should have real belief about going and, and winning the game like away fixture in knockout in you in i shouldn't say europe they're going to south africa sorry in champions cup it's an old habit very hard to shake but it's you know it's a nightmare situation really but this feels like a winnable away fixture and 
yeah, I would not be shocked at all if Munster have another great European day. I, I do think last weekend it wasn't reflective of where they've been. I'd I'd love to know what the coaches put their you know, what they settled on as being the reason why they weren't there mentally, but it wasn't what the team that we've seen over the, the last few months. So you're right. Sharks are at home. They've got brilliant individual players and when they do click, they're a really convincing force and when you have no McNamara overseeing your attack, you're always going to come up with some brilliance. But Munster have the tools to to get this done. It's an early start tomorrow for that one. Well, early-ish by normal standards. Uh, just after afternoon kickoff could be uh, another cracker. To be totally honest, we're looking at Connacht's team as well. Murray to face Benetton in their uh, first Challenge Cup knockout game, and you've got David Hawkshaw continuing at ten in the absence of Jack Carty, which will be not as concerning to Connacht fans as it might have been even before last week and we did that discuss Hawkshaw's performance in the middle of the week then you've got Tiernan O'Halloran coming in at full back what's caught your eye obviously Bundyaki coming in as well at 12 which means Kyle Ford drops to the bench despite his brilliant form recently uh, what catches your eye about that Connacht team and are they a team capable of getting the job done in an away game in Italy in Europe it's similar I think to Munster it's a it's a good chance to get one on the road and and continue their own journey in the Challenge Cup and hopefully push on to, to silverware. It is a nice team on paper. I agree, to, agree with both of you lads from, from the Wednesday pod about Hawkshaw's impressive um, performance last time out and his inform earlier in the season as well, albeit at 12 on, on those occasions. He's just a really excellent, combative, aggressive, assertive rugby player. He's, he's, he's really good. To have Aki and Porch, or, or Hansen back rather, is a huge boost and after all the disruption and the unhappiness and the the fallout with Bondiaki pre Six Nations here he is back in the starting team and a starting team that's won five in a row and has got um got really good form be, behind them now and has a bounce towards the end of the season so it's ideal for him to come back into a side like that whereas before that's not that wasn't how the Connick team was and, and maybe that was some of the, the frustration Hansen is just on the crest of a wave and he's irresistible so I hope they just get the ball to him as often as as possible and yeah I have to say I do like the the look of that team even the players who aren't headline makers the likes of Niall Murray are are playing really good rugby he's been brilliant all season a real talisman now for for Connacht Prendergast adding his punch in the in the back row as well and a good see Paul, Paul Boyle back as well who recently signed a new a new deal so those are reasons for them to to go with ambition to Italy the Benetton team does have a few guys who are also playing brilliant rugby as well we should we should mark that out Michele Lamaro and Ruzza who was unreal in the Six Nations Brex at 13 I actually thought I saw loads of teams at the Six Nations I was surprised he wasn't in any of them because I thought he was consistency probably the best and in terms of influence over his team probably the best 13 in the in the competition so they're a they're a good side they're not flaky they're solid they're capable of scoring brilliant tries and they have some of the same skill level as as the Italian national team. So it is a really tough task, but I don't think an impossible one for, for Connacht to overcome. They're going to be absolutely gunning for this as well. I think I said in the middle of the week, it's almost a fixture that both teams could, could do without, just based on where they're placed in the URC. But I, I would correct myself when you consider, like, this could be Benetton's best chance of, of getting back to the top tier. Like, Plus the fact that they have that little bit of... They've won a trophy as a group. Okay, it was the Rainbow Cup, right? But I mean, they have that little bit of 
knockout run experience if you know what I mean and like obviously Connacht are a pretty formidable challenge for them but if you win that suddenly you do have that little bit of momentum momentum that can spark you into creating those big moments to which you alluded earlier in in the next round and and you could be on a roll so like they are going to be going for this all guns blazing (laughs) presumably that's just going to bring the best out of Connacht I actually think with Bundy and Hansen and guys like that in the team if somebody throws down the gauntlet to them they'll throw it back. So it could be another absolute rip-roaring game. It's probably the pick of the Challenge Cup, I think. And let's be honest, that competition hasn't always excited in the very recent past or the the distant past, unless a, a fan's team was directly involved. I don't think there's been much focus on it. But I think everyone will be interested in this game because it's two really good clubs who have loads of brilliant players uh, involved. So it feels like it's a step above Challenge Cup almost. And yeah, absolutely. The winner of the competition could come from here. There are still some bigger name clubs involved in the competition, but you know, the likes of a Rassinger will be tough to beat. But um, I think both will have realistic trophy ambitions. And if the draw goes well, Connor could end up playing a home quarterfinal, depending on what happens in that that Cardiff game. Um, so, So there's what? There's only three games separating them from... From being in a, a final and absolutely it's worth chasing they've put themselves in a really nice position in the urc as well and i think with players back etc they can manage to fight on both fronts pretty well so you're saying leinster by under 15 mm-hmm. monster just about yeah and connacht just about oh yes what do you reckon i would say leinster by 18 to 20 I think Sharks by 10. Wow. But I think they'll pull away. I think it'll be an annoying one. <laughs> and I think Connacht by... I think Connacht could actually go over there and do a proper job. I think Connacht by 12 or 15. But again, they'll pull away. Wow. Yeah. There's some big I mean, obviously. I like, I yeah, like the way you haven't uh, just been in the middle road on any of them you've gone for big big wins so <laughs> yeah 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 I hope for uh, your for your case Gav watching on that you're wrong about Munster and that you're in positive peppy form on Monday <laughs> yeah that Monday pod could be difficult or it could be absolutely uh, jubilant who knows uh, just before we wrap as well Murray the Ireland women's team have named uh, their team to play France at Musgrave Park a few changes there can you run us through uh, what sticks out to you about that team the big one is Dan O'Brien coming in and out half and when we spoke on Monday about that really disappointing start against the Welsh we did flag that her impact off the bench was was a was a major positive and indeed it was a surprise that she didn't start the game really um I think with Nicole Cronin's experience and given the lack of experience in the team that was probably a a deciding factor there but there was no decision to to make really this time around so it's brilliant that her rise as an international player will continue really good kicker but all her skills are impressive and and she seems to have the head for it as well and and they need players with that kind of personality something we've mentioned a few times on this pod to to really get experience and to to get to grips with what international rugby involves at a senior level uh, Vicky Irwin coming in into the back line as well who, who came off the bench as well and I've heard plenty about her impressing in, in training uh, Christy Haney and Grace Moore particularly Grace Moore deserved that chance in, in the starting pack I think she is dynamic and explosive and you're going to need that against the, the power and the athleticism of the French and, and the third uh, the final one rather is Dervil and Nicovard who 
again, was one of the major positives coming off the bench. She had that frustrating moment of the yellow card. I still haven't seen a good angle and whether she actually slapped the ball. Uh, she insisted she hadn't got a, a touch on the ball, but had that yellow card. But after that, was really impressive and has been in excellent form for, for province and club as well. So it's a deserving start. Obviously, it's going to be a really, really tough day for Ireland women against one of the best sides in the world. But regardless of the scoreline, the result, the outcome, it has to be a better performance. And, and they've put that pressure on themselves. And I thought it was really good to see that they weren't talking this down. They they want to get a better performance as a team, regardless of, of the outcome. So I think the changes are positive, Gav, and they're looking for a bit of bounce. And after a performance like that against the Welsh, where obviously the power side of it was important and people are talking about Wales being a year ahead in professionalism, but Ireland, I'm glad to see, hold themselves to a higher standard. And um, yeah, we need to see more from them this weekend. Sure do. We will park it there for now, Murray. We'll be back on Monday looking back over that Ireland-France game in the Women's Six Nations, plus all of the European slash South African fixtures that we've just run through there. And in the meantime, everybody have a great weekend. Mind yourselves. Take it easy. This episode of the 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundee Motors, Ireland's largest car website. Find your next premium car from one of our trusted dealerships. But the boys in the better land You're always talking about the boys in the better land The boys in the better land Driver's got names for filthy double barrels He spits out, breaks out, only smokes